Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is May 15th, 2020, which means I'm on one day 153 of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, improv, unscripted movies, music, sports, entertainment, food, and everything except politics. Shout out to my little sister, Rose, turning 32 today. Happy birthday to you, and she's about to have a baby soon. A lot of responsibilities coming up. Hope you have a wonderful day today. You deserve it out there in the heat in Arizona. I really hope you have air conditioning. New movie review, folks. Yep. Capone the movie. Capone, yes. Now, I gotta say, I hated this movie. Yep. Didn't like it whatsoever. Forced myself to watch it because after getting about halfway through, I expected it to get better and it never, ever did. Now picture this, folks. Let's say of all the cool things that Superman did in his life, let's say they made a movie about Superman lying in bed before he died for weeks and weeks. Well, That's how this movie is. Capone, who did so many crazy things in his lifetime. He led the... He was the largest illegal alcohol operator during the Prohibition era in all of Chicago. He, you know, he was a part of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. He lived a few years in Alcatraz, living out some of his sentence for tax evasion and various other crimes that he had committed throughout his life, and yet none of that whatsoever was in this movie. All it was was Tom Hardy playing Al Capone's raggedy, beaten-up, syphilis-infested body as he slowly died in his mansion in Florida, which they say is basically... 80% true, the movie itself. It holds true to the fact that he went crazy, he was delusional, and senile as all hell. He hallucinated, thinking that people were after him when either they were or they weren't. You know, he thought his own friends, who were bodyguards at his mansion, were kidnapping him each day because he had no idea who anyone was by the end. The movie was only barely entertaining on account of Tom Hardy, Matt Dillon, and Linda Cardellini, who also is great in the movie Grandma's Boy, if you've never seen it. Hilarious movie. But on in all actuality, Capone, it sucked. I'm sorry. Nobody wants to see the single most boring part of a person's life. All you showed us was him slowly dying at the end, a couple flashbacks of things that may have occurred, and the delusions were going in and out from reality so much, it was, it was hard to follow. So I give Capone a 3 out of 10. Do not waste your time with this pile of garbage. It means nothing to anybody. Next time you come out with a movie about Al Capone, it better be about the awesome things that he did and the crazy stuff and the murders and the booze and the prison and not about his old delusional life, lying in bed, dying. What a waste of our time. Three out of ten.
A bit of local news here, folks. A boat with eight illegal immigrants washed up ashore in Imperial Beach. Six of the illegal immigrants got immediately arrested, but two actually were able to hide out in random buildings here in Imperial Beach before they got picked up, which just goes to show that it's really easy for people to boat across the border through the water. I mean, wouldn't you stop them before they made it ashore? But I guess it might be safer to let the people get to land and then they get arrested. You know, it would seem more likely and smart if you just stop them before they get to the land and make them turn back around. Because now all these people are arrested, you know, which, understandable, one of them is obviously the leader who's a smuggler, so they're doing a majorly illegal operation of some kind by smuggling human beings and God knows what else. And in fact, if you look at the statistics of people and things that have been stopped at the border or in on the beach here in IB, uh, it the list goes on. There's hundreds of people that get stopped, you know, pounds and pounds of paraphernalia and contraband, and some kids that are super young who are taking the chance at night on a boat that's meant for three or four people packed with eight to ten adults and possibly dying because somebody got paid to smuggle them across the border. I mean, this just is not safe or smart in any way. It looks like it didn't happen for these eight people. They caught a quick glimpse of America before they got immediately detained. In other local news, folks, in Coronado, a hop, skip, and a junk jump from Imperial Beach itself, one of the most beautiful places on the planet, I say possibly the richest island on the West Coast, a restaurant that has been known to the neighborhood for 30 plus years as a wonderful Italian eatery has permanently closed its doors. Primavera is no longer operating whatsoever in Coronado and has permanently shuttered their front doors as the pandemic has taken their chances of coming back right out from under them. You know, the fact of the matter is, folks, places like Coronado, where having a restaurant and renting the space for it can cost you anywhere between five to 15, maybe even $20,000 a month, is impossible to keep that place afloat during a shutdown like this. One of the reasons why I'm on the side of the people who want things to reopen and at a faster pace than what's happening now is because some of these old school places that mean so much and have so much nostalgia and history to them for places like Coronado cannot sustain with the amount of rent they have to pay and are making zero dollars with no customers on account of not being able to accommodate carryout because they're known as a sit-down restaurant. Fact of the matter is, it sucks to see them go. I wonder what's going to take its place. It's probably going to be some corporate giant waste of space place that we eat at every other week anyways, and I feel bad. Goodbye, Primavera, forever. Now, folks, once again, as promised by Dana White and the UFC, 
There is another MMA event tomorrow. It begins with the prelims at 3 p.m. and the main card at 6. And guess what? This one is absolutely free. It's on ESPN, a channel I'm pretty sure every single human being on the planet has, unless for some reason all you do is stream Netflix or something weird like that. ESPN, 6 p.m. is the main card, and it includes Alstair Overeem versus Walt Harris in a battle of the ages between two heavyweight giants. And right behind them in the co-main event is a female battle of the ages as well. These chicks come collect. I have seen both of them fight multiple times and they are amazing. It is Claudia Godella versus Angela Hill. Sure to be unbelievably entertaining folks tune in to espn at 3 p.m for the prelims 6 p.m for the main event you know there's not gonna be anything else on espn covers live sports there isn't any there's only ufc so when you have nothing to do tomorrow and you're thinking what should i watch that's gonna be exciting i just gave it to you ultimate fighting championship on espn Sure to be, once again, an amazing event just full of fantastic fighters that do this for us while we are stuck at home and they are taking chances, you know, going the distance, rolling around on the ground with a sweaty other individual who they aren't positive doesn't have COVID-19. So you got to at least respect these folks for that. And in the end... I cannot wait for this to lead to more sports opening, including Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, meh, and the NBA finishing their season. That must happen. Folks, all across Europe on the coastal side of each country, people are preparing their beaches in the craziest way you could possibly imagine prepare for this season's tourism on account of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what they're doing is sectioning off squares with a, you know, little gazebo type scenario going on for people to enjoy the beach, but to remain in their square for most of the time they're at the beach. Now, this is not something that I personally would enjoy. That's like beach prison. You want me to stay in the square so that I'm not moving around or getting too close to somebody else's square? Some of them even have glass protecting them in a, you know, almost completed square or rectangle missing one side so you can at least step out and go towards the water. I mean, how much money is this taking as it is to build these little plots all across the coastline? This is ridiculous. This is why they're getting separated everywhere across the globe because of the stupid pandemic. People are afraid of each other now. There's even sections on some parts of beaches in Spain that they'll section off for different parts of different countries to visit so that they can maintain a specific amount of allowed tourism from each place and the beaches don't get overcrowded by one 
batch of people. What the hell is going on here? This is ridiculous. I got half a mind to get out there and start ripping up all these things and telling everyone to just get back together. And, you know, as soon as this thing is under wraps anyways, as soon as we're pretty positive we can go to the beach without getting the COVID-19, which I'm positive about it right now, but some people are paranoid. It'll take more time. But as soon as we get to that point in another month or two, go out and enjoy life the way it's supposed to be enjoyed. Don't sit there in your little section square of the beach, unable to even throw a football around. You know, what are you going to do? You, you can go tanning and that's it? Then go to a tanning bed. It's the same thing. You're in a little square. You know, in this case, you're out in the sun, the beach, the waves are crashing, the sun is in your face, you got sand between your toes. This is the way you enjoy the beach. You run around, you take a dip, you know, you bring your kid in with you because they're small they can't swim by themselves you show them the ways of the beach maybe grab a boogie board hit up a couple waves if you're advanced surf a little bit whatever but this is ridiculous with the square thing hollywood squares at the beach i don't understand this uh i'm not doing it so you can forget the square thing for me i'm gonna tear through them squares and i'm hitting the beach old style i'm gonna run straight in and start sloshing around all kinds of COVID germs all around for me and spreading them everywhere. I'm kidding. I don't have the virus. Come on, people. Now, folks, this season in the NFL, the Raiders are set to play their inaugural, I think that's the word for the first year, their first year in Allegiant Stadium, the $2 billion state-of-the-art massive venture that took place right in the heart of Las Vegas, which is the new home of the Raiders, and every single person who has seen an aerial photo of this place has the same reaction, that it looks like a Roomba vacuum. Yeah, that's right. Take a look at the viral photos from the sky of Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders will play, and I'm certain you'll think the same thing as every person on Twitter has. The thing's gone viral. People think it looks, and so do I, just like a Roomba vacuum. Roomba or not, Allegiant Stadium is sure to suck in tons and tons of fans to watch live football in a place where they have never had a professional NFL team playing for their own city. Wow, I am excited for Las Vegas. Also playing in the stadium, of course, is UNLV, who has had a longtime home in downtown Vegas. You know, it's right off of the strip, their old stadium. It's in shambles. You know, it's nothing compared to Allegiant. This is sure to bring a whole new world to the gambling of football at its finest. I gotta say, I'm excited to throw down some dough on any team versus the Raiders just to piss off some locals. I mean, this should be epic. The city of Vegas has waited far too long for a professional football team. They don't have baseball. They don't have basketball. They finally got an NHL team, and in their first year, they went to the Stanley Cup. So I gotta say, this could be good, thing, good news and a good future for the 
formerly Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders. And, you know, it just makes sense. When you think of a Raider, you think of a, you know, a criminal or somebody who's robbing and thieving. And there's a lot of that that happens in Vegas. You know, the whole idea of Vegas is to take your money. You go there, you spend money, you come back with nothing except some memories, if you have them, if it wasn't such a blur because you were hammered the whole time. Speaking of Vegas, the casinos are dealing with their reopenings, which are set to take place soon. And I got to say, it's crazy. They're only going to have a certain number of craps tables open with a certain amount of people allowed at each one. Six maximum, three people at blackjack tables only. So with these smaller groups and amounts of people, there's less people for you to take their money, which actually sucks from a gambler's perspective. But as far as slots go, I'm not sure they're going to have all of them open. They'll probably have certain sections that were less frequented anyways, shut down just to be safe. And instead of casinos fully packing their hotel rooms with guests, casinos that have 4,000 rooms will only rent out about 1,200 of them at a time in order to accommodate the 1,200 people with the most clean and sanitized areas they possibly can due to the fact that so many employees have been furloughed, laid off, fired, quit, all those things. So if you are planning to go to Vegas, there's cheap rooms available, there's cheap flights available, and you will get all the attention you deserve. However, I'm not sure about going into that big of a group of people with an internationally renowned place like Vegas where people from all over the globe travel to gamble. That is taking a higher chance of getting this disease. Folks, it is time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we are all obsessed with so dearly. It is Real Stories. Brought to you by Peter Timothy Hanks, believe it or not. And Barbecusion. Oh, what a surprise. Now, folks, today I'm going to tell you a story about when I went camping as a young lad. I was probably 15 years old, and I went with my friends Chris Connors and Brian Wells, a gentleman who was significantly older than me and Chris, but he hung out with us because we were very mature for our age. That's a lie. We were super immature. But Brian Wells was a cool dude either way took us under his wing, taught us everything he knew about dank weed and cool camping spots. So one of the places we went, which was amazing, was called Nahalem Bay. I'll never forget this place, Nahalem Bay. It's a, a river of water that comes directly off of a mountain from melted snow. So this stuff is ice cold. And I will never also forget that he took us to the secret spot in the Halem Bay where him and his childhood buddies had graffitied and tagged all these giant rocks with spray paint and put their little signs up and carved their names in trees and all this cool stuff, signifying that this was his special spot and there was a cliff jumping spot directly into the ice cold water, which he, of course, made us do as a form of proving ourselves to not be pussies, I guess. So me and Chris were like, man, we'll do this. I mean, come on. You think we're afraid of this? You know, you think we're afraid to jump a little cliff into the water? No problem. Now, I didn't know about the whole melted snow water thing. You know, I just thought it was an average river in Oregon. 
You know, in most rivers in Oregon, they're pretty cold, but they're not so cold it'll put you into immediate shock, you know. But this water could not have been colder without fully freezing over. This water was as if you were able to take an entire cup packed to the brim of ice, pour water in it just so it fills up to the top of the ice, and then jump your entire body inside after the ice had half melted for like 30 minutes. I mean, this water was so cold. I I remember jumping in feet first, and as my feet entered the water, my body began to naturally struggle to try and get out of this jump as I landed deeper and deeper into it. And I gotta say, I, I feel like I barely survived this thing. My lungs, like all the air in them, immediately shot out. And I struggled to barely even climb my way out of this. And I finally got back to shore and I was like, what in the effing F was that, Brian Wells, you psycho? Why would you have us do that? You're crazy. And of course, he's sitting there chuckling. I love the guy to death. He's so hilarious. It was it was so funny to him. And I totally would do that to somebody else. I 100% would. But the real funny part of this story came the next day when Brian Wells was out you know, in the campsite doing some stuff, you know, prepping his tent or whatever. And me and Chris Connors, a.k.a. Smythe, one of the best friends I've ever had by far, such a good dude, great father, you know, great husband, hardworking dude. This guy and me, we would get into trouble back in the day. I don't know what it was, but, you know, our dynamic was let's do some bad things together for fun. And sure enough, Nahalem Bay was no exception. We came upon a couple little areas of Nahalem Bay that had docks on them. They looked like private docks that led up to people's fat houses. And when we got to one of the docks, there was a whole bunch of stuff on the edge of the dock. I'm talking really thick, giant ropes for like, I guess, holding huge boats up to the dock. There was actual boating equipment. You know, there was an anchor, there was some metal stuff, some pieces of wood, there was all kinds of stuff on the edge of this dock. So what was our first idea as we came upon this? Clearly to throw everything in the water and watch it sink because we're terrible kids. So that's what we did. We started pushing everything off the dock and just being stupid. And then right about midway while doing this, Chris thought it was funny to grab my shirt, which I didn't have on because we had been swimming, And throw that in the water to see if it floated. Well, of course it didn't float. It immediately sank to the bottom. I was like, dude, you idiot. You just threw away my shirt. Why would you do something that dumb? So as we're pushing all the rest of the stuff from the dock into the water and watching it sink for fun because we're stupid, I hear a guy start yelling and I just take off. And in the corner of my eye as I run, I see a dude stop Chris and hold him on the dock and start questioning him. And I'm thinking, ah, crap, this dude's screwed. So I kind of wait behind a bush to see what happens. A few minutes go by, and Chris runs through. And I'm like, dude, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, the guy just asked me questions, like why was I pouring all the stuff from his dock into the water, and who the hell am I, and I'm on private property, and he's calling the cops. So we booked it out of there. But I still wasn't, I wasn't over the fact that Chris had thrown my shirt into the water and watched it sink. I had to get some form of revenge. 
Now, I knew that he had brought only one towel to keep himself dry throughout the times that we were in and out of the water next to the campsite. And so, while his towel was drying on a a branch or a tree limb out in the sun, I decided to go drop a deuce in the woods. Now, I didn't bring any toilet paper with me because my plan was not to wipe my ass with some TP. The plan all along was what I did, and I wiped my butt with Chris's towel. Because that is what you get for throwing away my shirt. I think it was a brand new shirt. I'd probably only worn it a couple times and then I had to watch it sink. And back then, I came from a not-so-money-having family. So having even a shirt that wasn't a hand-me-down too big for me for my older brothers was a special occasion. And of course, he tossed mine in the water, so I wiped my ass with his towel, which I believe he ended up burning or something. Either way, he didn't keep the towel, because that's disgusting. And that was the revenge I got on my own friend, which was kind of weird and sadistic. But I got to say, the lesson to be learned here is not about the towel and the, the throwing of the shirt in the water. It's about not going onto a private dock and knocking all the stuff into the water. Because now that I think about it, we caused that guy such a headache, I'm sure. He had to dive down and dig out all his stuff. Or he had to replace it if he couldn't find it. And he didn't get to charge us with any sort of crime which would have led us to at least have to pay for the things that we destroyed. The poor guy got screwed who owned that dock when he had the likes of me and Chris enter his vicinity. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. One more time, a shout out to my little sister, Rose. Happy birthday. You're 32 today. Congratulations. And thank you, folks, for listening. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Now, I'm sure the guy who got all his stuff knocked off of the dock that day by me and Smythe was thinking in his head, man, I've seen better days. So to commemorate that poor fellow, here is a 90s band we all remember by the name of Bare Naked Ladies with Better Days. Folks, it is time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we are all obsessed with so dearly. It is Real Stories, brought to you by... Peter Timothy Hanks, believe it or not, and Barbecusion. Oh, what a surprise. Now, folks, today I'm going to tell you a story about when I went camping as a young lad. I was probably 15 years old, and I went with my friends Chris Connors and Brian Wells, a gentleman who was significantly older than me and Chris, but he hung out with us because we were very mature for our age. That's a lie. We were super immature. But Brian Wells was a cool dude either way. He took us under his wing, taught us everything he knew about dank weed and cool camping spots. So one of the places we went, which was amazing, was called Nahalem Bay. I'll never forget this place, Nahalem Bay. It's a a river of water that comes directly off of a mountain from melted snow. So this stuff is ice cold. And I will never also forget that he took us to the secret spot in the Halem Bay where him and his childhood buddies had graffitied and tagged all these giant rocks with spray paint and put their little signs up and carved their names in trees and all this cool stuff, signifying that this was his special spot. And there was a cliff jumping spot directly into the ice cold water, which he, of course, made us do as a form of proving ourselves 
to not be pussies, I guess. So me and Chris were like, man, we'll do this. I mean, come on. You think we're afraid of this? You know, you think we're afraid to jump a little cliff into the water? No problem. Now, I didn't know about the whole melted snow water thing. You know, I just thought it was an average river in Oregon. You know, in most rivers in Oregon, they're pretty cold, but they're not so cold it'll put you into immediate shock, you know. But this water could not have been colder without fully freezing over. This water was as if you were able to take an entire cup packed to the brim of ice, pour water in it just so it fills up to the top of the ice, and then jump your entire body inside after the ice had half melted for like 30 minutes. I mean, this water was so cold. I I remember jumping in feet first, and as my feet entered the water, my body began to naturally struggle to try and get out of this jump as I landed deeper and deeper into it. And I gotta say, I, I feel like I barely survived this thing. My lungs, like all the air in them, immediately shot out. And I struggled to barely even climb my way out of this. And I finally got back to shore and I was like, what in the effing F was that, Brian Wells, you psycho? Why would you have us do that? You're crazy. And of course, he's sitting there chuckling. I love the guy to death. He's so hilarious. It was it was so funny to him. And I totally would do that to somebody else. I 100% would. But the real funny part of this story came the next day when Brian Wells was out you know, in the campsite doing some stuff, you know, prepping his tent or whatever. And me and Chris Connors, a.k.a. Smythe, one of the best friends I've ever had by far, such a good dude, great father, you know, great husband, hardworking dude. This guy and me, we would get into trouble back in the day. I don't know what it was, but, you know, our dynamic was let's do some bad things together for fun. And sure enough, Nahalem Bay was no exception. We came upon a couple little areas of Nahalem Bay that had docks on them. They looked like private docks that led up to people's fat houses. And when we got to one of the docks, there was a whole bunch of stuff on the edge of the dock. I'm talking really thick, giant ropes for like, I guess, holding huge boats up to the dock. There was actual boating equipment. You know, there was an anchor, there was some metal stuff, some pieces of wood, there was all kinds of stuff on the edge of this dock. So what was our first idea as we came upon this? Clearly to throw everything in the water and watch it sink because we're terrible kids. So that's what we did. We started pushing everything off the dock and just being stupid. And then right about midway while doing this, Chris thought it was funny to grab my shirt, which I didn't have on because we had been swimming, And throw that in the water to see if it floated. Well, of course it didn't float. It immediately sank to the bottom. I was like, dude, you idiot. You just threw away my shirt. Why would you do something that dumb? So as we're pushing all the rest of the stuff from the dock into the water and watching it sink for fun because we're stupid, I hear a guy start yelling and I just take off. And in the corner of my eye as I run, I see a dude stop Chris and hold him on the dock and start questioning him. And I'm thinking, ah, crap, this dude's screwed. So I kind of wait behind a bush to see what happens. A few minutes go by and Chris runs through. 
And I'm like, dude, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, the guy just asked me questions. Like, why was I pouring all the stuff from his dock into the water? And who the hell am I? And I'm on private property and he's calling the cops. So we booked it out of there. But I still wasn't, I wasn't over the fact that Chris had thrown my shirt into the water and watched it sink. I had to get some form of revenge. Now, I knew that he had brought only one towel to keep himself dry throughout the times that we were in and out of the water next to the campsite. And so, while his towel was drying on a a branch or a tree limb out in the sun, I decided to go drop a deuce in the woods. Now, I didn't bring any toilet paper with me because my plan was not to wipe my ass with some TP. The plan all along was what I did, and I wiped my butt with Chris's towel. Because that is what you get for throwing away my shirt. I think it was a brand new shirt. I'd probably only worn it a couple times and then I had to watch it sink. And back then, I came from a not-so-money-having family. So having even a shirt that wasn't a hand-me-down too big for me for my older brothers was a special occasion. And of course, he tossed mine in the water, so I wiped my ass with his towel, which I believe he ended up burning or something. Either way, he didn't keep the towel, because that's disgusting. And that was the revenge I got on my own friend, which was kind of weird and sadistic. But I got to say, the lesson to be learned here is not about the towel and the, the throwing of the shirt in the water. It's about not going onto a private dock and knocking all the stuff into the water. Because now that I think about it, we caused that guy such a headache, I'm sure. He had to dive down and dig out all his stuff. Or he had to replace it if he couldn't find it. And he didn't get to charge us with any sort of crime which would have led us to at least have to pay for the things that we destroyed. The poor guy got screwed who owned that dock when he had the likes of me and Chris enter his vicinity. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. One more time, a shout out to my little sister, Rose. Happy birthday. You're 32 today. Congratulations. And thank you, folks, for listening. I will talk to you all tomorrow.